I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. As we continue our study in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. And if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there. And it's page 145 in the Pew Bible. Page 145 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, then we invite you to take that Pew Bible with you as our gift to you today. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take that and, and use it. You'll be blessed by it. Well, let's start this morning by going to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant Word. And Lord, our prayer today is that you would write its eternal truth upon our, all of our hearts, Lord. Lord, this book that is before us has the power to transform us, uh, to make us into new creatures, to make us into uh, your likeness even, to become Christ-like. So Lord, today we pray that you would open up our hearts, Lord, as we open up your word, Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts willing to obey your word. So teach us today, O oh Lord. In these things we pray in Christ's name, for his sake. Amen. Knowledge fuels allegiance. Knowledge fuels allegiance. When a pastor first comes to a church... He knows the first year that he is at that church, there's not going to be a ton of ministry accomplished. The, the goal for the first year of a new pastor is to get to know his congregation and to allow his congregation to get to know him. Why? Because we're not going to give our allegiance to someone that we don't know. We're not going to give our allegiance to someone whom we don't know their character. We don't know what they're all about. They don't know us, right? And so we get to know a person, then as we grow in our knowledge of that person, well, then we begin to give allegiance to them. And our allegiance, the more we know about a person, the more our allegiance grows. And it's the same thing with God. It's the same thing when it comes to God. As we've been talking about, and here's where we are for those who haven't been here, we're going through Deuteronomy, and Moses in Deuteronomy has a series of sermons that he is preaching to the people of Israel right before they go into the Promised Land. So he's brought them out of Egypt, they've been in, in the wilderness for 40 years, now they're on the, the shores of the, the Jordan River ready to go in and conquer the Promised Land, and Moses has some final words to preach to them some final sermons to preach to them before they enter in. And this is the second sermon that he gives to them before they go into the promised land. And in this sermon, 
he is giving them God's law. He's reestablishing God's covenant with them, and he is giving them God's law. And so in chapter 5, he laid out the law, the Ten Commandments. And we went through all the Ten Commandments. And then from chapter 6 through 25, uh, he expounds and explains those Ten Commandments. And chapter 6 through 11 focuses in on the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Which if we put it in layman's terms, if you will, it means to give wholehearted allegiance to God. Give wholehearted allegiance to God. And so that is the focus of this section. And now as we come to this next little part here, these next few verses, Moses is instructing the people to know the Lord. To know His instruction so that their allegiance to God will grow as they know Him more. In fact, that's what we are learning here. Know God's instruction in order to fuel allegiance. Know God's instruction in order to fuel allegiance. That's the subject matter of our text today. Uh, this whole section here actually goes from uh, uh, verse 1 all the way through verse 17, but we're going to cut off those last two verses today. That's why this is labeled as or titled Know God's Instruction Part 1. We're going to hit Part 1 today. And then next week, we're going to come back and do Part 2. So if you want to hear the entirety of this, come back next week. Because uh, we're only going to hit this first part today. But know God's instruction in order to fuel allegiance. And today I'm going to do something a little bit different than I normally do. I'm going to start by explaining our text explain what Moses is doing here, and then I want to follow it up with some three points of application. And, and so in our application portion, I, I want to give you three practices that will help you to know God's instruction in order to fuel your allegiance to God. So I'm going to give you three practices that will help you know God's instruction in order to fuel your allegiance to God. So let's begin and just begin to look at our text and expound or explain this morning. Starting there in verse 1. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. In other words, you shall therefore, that's going back to what we learned about last week, when Moses kind of gave, listed out some of the attributes of God because of who God is, do this, right? Because of who God is, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, his commandments always. In other words, because of God, who God is, give wholehearted allegiance to God. That's what he's saying. Because of who God is, give your wholehearted allegiance to God. And he adds this to it. And consider today... Since I am not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God. Consider the discipline of the Lord your God. Now, I want to focus in on that because that's the main uh, sentence here, the main kind of command that Moses is telling them in, in this section. Consider the discipline of the Lord. Now I want us to think about that word there, consider, first of all. Consider. 
consider here is the, the Hebrew word behind that word is the same word that is in other places translated to know. To know someone, to know something about somebody, to know something about something. It's to, to know. And in fact, the New American Standard, King James Version, and the New King James Version all translate this word, know. Know the discipline of the Lord. And, and that's kind of the meaning that it has here. In this context, it means to know something or someone cognitively through observation and reflection to have that cognitive knowledge of someone. And so that's what Moses is telling us to do, to know God's instruction. Consider today the discipline of the Lord. That word discipline there can mean chastisement. In fact, I think uh, the King James Version, New King James Version, translated as uh, chastisement, discipline, uh, if you just think about the word discipline, it has a couple of kind of different meanings. It can mean that. It can mean chastisement. It can mean punishing bad behavior. That's kind of what we tend to think about when we're talking about uh, in, in the English language, when we talk about discipline. Uh, we, talk, we think about chastisement. When somebody is a disciplinarian, there's someone who is able to chastise, to punish bad behavior. But discipline also has a, another kind of meaning there. It also means teaching, instructing. It's kind of a positive side of, of discipline. It means teaching right behavior. And here Moses, as we're going to see as we get in on further in this text, that's kind of the, the meaning that Moses has in mind here. He has that both dual meanings. He, he wants them to, to remember the Lord's instruction his teaching them teaching them right behaviors and also his chastisement both come to play when it comes to god and his dealings with his people so that's why i'm translating this instruction right that's why i would i would translate this instruction know the lord's instruction know the lord's instruction what god has to say what he has revealed about himself and and what he wants in your life. So know the Lord's instruction. That's what Moses wants us to learn today. We need to know the Lord's instruction. Now what does the Lord's instruction teach us about the Lord? Well, we begin to see that as we work on through the text. Know the Lord's instruction. Know the, the instruction of the, the Lord your God. His greatness, His mighty hand, and His outstretched arm. God's instruction, first of all, tells us who God is. It tells us a little bit about who God is. God reveals Himself through His instruction. He reveals who He is. That's how Israel knows who God is. They have, they've seen it. They've been eyewitnesses of, of God's work in their lives. And, and so they've seen who God is. But we learn about God, who He is through His instruction not only do we know the lord know god through his instruction but we also know what the lord has done we begin to learn what the lord has done look there again picking up in verse three god's signs and his deeds that he did in egypt to pharaoh the king of egypt and to all his land and what god did to the army of egypt to their horses to their chariots 
how he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, sons of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that f- followed them. In the midst of all Israel, for your eyes have seen all the great works of the Lord that he did. God's instruction teaches us what God has done, what he has done in the past. Moses wants to remind them of that. You remember that Moses, as he is preaching the sermon to them, he is also giving them the written word as well. right? The, the people who he, whom he's preaching to, they've seen a lot of this stuff. They were children, a lot of them, when they left Egypt. But now they're adults. But, but a lot of them remember, oh yeah, we remember seeing all the signs and wonders that God did in Egypt. But what about their children and their children's children? Well, Moses is writing the first five books of the Bible. We're at the last book. uh, We're we're studying Deuteronomy. That's the last book of the first of the five of the Bible, the Pentateuch. But he is writing that to them to give it to them so that they would always have it, to always go back and to read it and study it and know what God has done. The people of Israel, their children and their children's children would have it recorded for them so that they could know God and what God has has done but not only do we learn about what god has done we also learn about what god is doing in life right now picking up in verse 8 you shall therefore keep the whole commandment that i command you today in other words give wholehearted allegiance to the lord that you may be strong and go in and take possession of the land that you are going over to possess and that you may live long in the land that the lord your god excuse me that the lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring a land flowing with milk and honey for the land that you are entering to take possession of it is not like the land of egypt from which you have come where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables but the land that you are going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water by the rain from heaven and the land a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. See, Scripture, or instruction, God's instruction also teaches us what God is doing. That's what Moses is telling them here. Here's where you are now. You're about to go in and, and take this land, and, and this land is not like any other land. But God takes care of this land. He will take care of you. He's going to look after you. It's it's about what God is doing. He is preparing them to go to battle, to take uh, possession of the promised land. God is working in them. He's not just the God of yesterday, right? It, It didn't just end in Egypt. God's might and His power, all of His great works of salvation, they did not end in Egypt. He's not an ancient God of yesterday, but he is a God of today, and he is working in the lives of Israel as Moses is preaching to them. He is active and working working for their sake. He is working salvation in them, even as Moses is preaching to them. 
So God's instruction tells us who God is, what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. What God will do, picking up there in verse 13. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, give wholehearted allegiance to him, right? He will, notice that, we've kind of changed tense here. He will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And he will give grass in your fields for your livestock and he shall and you shall eat and be full. You see, the Lord is taking them into this land, and when God takes them into this land, as they live for God, as they give their wholehearted allegiance to God, God will provide for them. He will take care of them. It's all about what God will do, because God, He's not just concerned with our lives today he's concerned with our future as well and so the bible god's instruction teaches us what god will do it teaches us what god will do and we need to understand that we need to know that in order to fuel our allegiance to god so god's instruction teaches us about god it teaches us about what God has done, is doing, and will do. So now, how do we apply this? As we know God in those ways, that fuels that allegiance. It helps us to see who God is. That He is worthy of our allegiance. And our allegiance is a wonderful investment, even in eternity. Now, that we know that, now that we understand that, now that we see that as part of what Moses is teaching us here, how do you know the Lord in order to fuel this allegiance? Well, here are those three practices to help you know God's instruction. First of all, know God's instruction by studying God's Word. Know God's instruction by studying God's Word. Moses, again, he wrote the Pentateuch. He wrote these first five books of the Bible so Israel would have them to, to study and to know, right? to hide them in their hearts, to know them. Prophets after Moses came along and, and they added to that. Right? They, 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 under the inspiration of God, they wrote more books of the Bible. And then the New Testament came, and Jesus came, and, and the apostles, and the apostles wrote some more books and added it to God's Word. And so now what we have today is the complete Word of God for us. It's right here in my hand, and hopefully in your laps, right? We have the complete Word of God. This book tells us who God is. It doesn't tell us everything about God because, well, God is infinite and, and He's infinite in greatness. We, we, we can't possibly write all there is to know about God in a book. But it tells us what we need to know about God. We can know God's character. We can know His love. We can know His grace. We can know His justice. We can know God in His Word, by studying His Word. We know what God has done. We know about His salvation work, not just in 
the life of Israel, but in our own lives as we read about Jesus and, and how Jesus came to earth to save us from our sins and died on a cross to save us from our sins. It tells us about what God has done in Christ for us. It teaches us what God is doing in our lives even now as He sanctifies those who have trusted in Christ. And it tells us what God will do in the future when Christ returns and the new heaven and the new earth are established and Christ sets up His eternal kingdom on earth. Scripture tells us all of those things so we know God's instruction by studying God's Word. And we do this by studying God's Word personally, right? Personal Bible study. Personal Bible study. By, by sitting home alone by yourself and getting alone with God and, and opening up this book. Oh, that is so important to knowing God and knowing His instruction. Far too often people take this book and they may bring it to church on Sunday, they open it up on Sunday and then they close it and it doesn't get opened again until next Sunday. Man, if, if that's you, you're missing so much. You're missing so much. Don't allow, allow that to happen. You need to be opening up God's Word every day and digging into it. Know God by knowing His Word, studying His, His Word personally. Make it a part of your day. Schedule a, a, a time. I mean, in, in five minutes you can read a chapter. And, and if that's all you got time for, we'll start there. In, a, in 20 minutes you can read about four chapters. So, so just find a place to start and start, whether it's one chapter a day, two chapters a day, three chapters a day, or four chapters a day. Start somewhere. And make that effort, make that commitment to study God's Word so that you can know God and know God's instruction. And when you begin to, to know God in that way, it will fuel your allegiance. So, study God's Word during a time of personal Bible study, but not only that, study God's Word in corporate Bible study. That's what we're doing right now. Corporate Bible study. Gathering together with the church. We come together Sunday after Sunday, and we're fixing to start back on Wednesday nights, and we're going to have our Wednesday night Bible study, and, and it's going to be a good study, I'm just saying. Now, I'm not revealing it yet, what we're going to be studying, but it's going to be a good. So, so come and, and gather with the church and, and dig into God's Word together because, man, you learn even more when you study it in a group. When, when different people start asking different questions and, and, and man, you, wow, man, I didn't, I didn't see that. Wow, thank you for showing me that, right? Corporate Bible study is essential to growing in your knowledge of God. So, know the Lord's instruction by studying God's Word both personally and corporately. Studying God's Word is essential. It is essential to knowing God's instruction. In fact, the next two points, as we're going to see, the next two points must be grounded in studying God's Word. That's where we start. That's the primary place that we know God. Hear me on that. This is the primary place where we learn about God, what He has done, is doing, will do, 
This is the primary place that we learn about God. So get engaged in Bible study, personally and corporately. Second, we know God's instruction by experiencing God personally. We know God's instruction by experiencing God's God personally, experiencing God in, in our personal life, in our own lives, our personal lives. This experience, of course, begins with a salvation experience. It begins with a salvation experience. When we turn away from our rebellion against God and our allegiance to the world, and we turn and give our allegiance to Jesus Christ, that's where it begins. Because in that moment, something takes place. That, that's not just a decision that takes place. It's not just something that just, just kind of passes by. When, when salvation comes, something changes. Something changes. Scripture tells us that something changes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that salvation experience, conversion takes place. We use that word sometimes, conversion. Uh, conversion, if you, have, if you have a conversion automobile, that means it was something and then you put a conversion kit on it, and now it looks like something totally different, right? It's different. That's what happens in our lives. When we come to know Jesus Christ, conversion takes place. We have been transformed. We're no longer that old self. A new creation has come. Something has changed. Something has changed. It's rebirth. Regeneration. The old thing has, has gone away. It's passed away. The new thing has come. A difference has been made. Now, for some people, it's more a dramatic experience. For some people, it's a, man, they, they were walking in darkness, and now they're in light, and man, there was a, a dramatic change and a dramatic experience. For others, it's not so dramatic. For me personally, I was raised in church. I was raised to, to know God and, and to live a Christian life. And so when, when conversion came, it wasn't quite a dramatic experience, but there was a change. You see, there was a change. Old desires, I noticed when I come to faith in Jesus, old desires kind of began to fade away. New desires became alive in me. There was a change. There was an experiential change that took place. And let me say, if you're the same person before as you are today, chances are salvation never came. Because Scripture clearly says the old passes away and something new has come. Salvation changes you it transforms you into a new creature and that is god's working in you he's doing you don't transform yourself god transforms you he changes you as his spirit moves into your life 
He transforms you. So we know God's instruction by experiencing that salvation. See, uh, Scripture begins to come alive in us when we experience God personally through our salvation experience. Second, there's also the sanctifying experience or sanctification experience. The sanctification experience. It's not just something that takes place all at once when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, there's a change, right? There's a, a transformation in the moment. The Holy Spirit moves in. You're now a new creation in Jesus, but it still takes some time. God doesn't just change everything at once. He, he takes time, and it begins to, to change you and transform you over time more and more and more. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in us to sanctify us. That word sanctify just is a, a fancy word for making us holy, making us like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to change us gradually over time to make us more and more and more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. We're being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. In other words, it, it just it takes time over time. Here's another degree. Here's another degree. Here's another degree. We grow and grow in Christ as the Spirit works in our lives. It's a gradual thing. When you're, when you, when you're born again, it, you're, you're not going to be the same as you will be 10 years down the road. Thank goodness I'm not the same person I was when I came to faith in Jesus Christ. Because I had a lot of struggles. I still have a lot of struggles, but I had a lot of more struggles back then. But over time, you see, God has worked in my life and He's changed me and He's transforming, gradually bringing me along. And that's what He does in the hearts of every believer. God's working in you. He's changing you. He's transforming you. I think about an artist painting. In fact, I noticed yesterday Gabby was painting a, a picture there. She's painting a, a picture of Mary Beth, and, and uh, she was working on it yesterday. And uh, I came by her room when she was working on it. I noticed that at one time she was she was right up there against the canvas. You know, she was working on some details, and, and she was really focusing in on those details. And you see, when a, an artist is, is focusing in on those details, all that artist can, can see are those little details, right? But, but sometime, every now and again, the artist has to step back, right? He has to look at the whole picture, to make sure the details are coming out right. The details, uh, and can see how they're changing and transforming the picture that she's working on. And you see, that's what we need to do sometimes. When we're in life and we're just focusing on the here and now, man, we can lose sight of what God is doing in our lives. When we're just focusing in on the details, especially if we're going through a particular hard time in life, 
if we're going through a season of struggle, if we're going through a season where we're, we're struggling maybe with sin, maybe struggling with temptation, we can lose sight of what God is doing in our lives. And sometimes we need, just need to step back and look at our lives and see how God has been working in us. To see that, hey, I might be struggling with this now, but man, look at where I've come. Look, look at what God has done thus far. Look at how, where God has brought me up to this point. Yes, this is a struggle, but, but God got me through all of those other struggles. Surely he will get me through this one. We need to reflect back on the experiences that God, of God that we've had in our lives as he's worked in our lives to, to save us and to sanctify us. And this works in conjunction with God's Word because we read what God is going to do, right? We read, he tells us that He's going to do this, and now we can see it in our own lives. And so, what do we need to do? How do we do this? Well, let me just give you briefly three quick R's. Three R's to know God's instruction by experiencing God personally and this isn't on your note sheet so you're gonna have to write this out to the side but three r's record reflect and retell record reflect and retell record i'm not good at this by the way but journaling is a great way to reflect back on what god has done in your life because if you're a good journal journaler uh then, then you're you're going to write out those experiences and you can go back in and read those Again, I'm not good at that. Some people are. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But if you are a good journalist, uh, if you're good at writing those things down, you like to keep a journal, record what God is doing in your life at different stages so that you can go back and, and uh, read that again someday. Reflect. I'm much better at this. Of sitting back and just reflecting, taking time to stop, shut things down, and just reflect on what God has done in your life. Think back to the day that you came to faith. Think back to those times in your life where you experienced God more intimately, more deeply, when, when you felt His power in your life. Reflect on God's work in your life and retell. Retell. Tell other people. Tell other people about your experience with God. And that helps us to know God's instruction. Now, let me give you a warning here because we need to understand, and I want to make clear on this. Experience must be grounded in truth. Experience must be grounded in truth. That's why I said studying God's Word is primary, and the other two have to be grounded in the study of God's Word because our experiences can deceive us. Experience can deceive us. Our, our experiences are flawed. We are flawed creatures. We are sinful creatures. And our experience can, it, it can be flawed. It's stained with sin. And so many people have experiences that they just, oh, I know God's in this because, you know, I feel it. I just feel God wants me to do such and such. But such and such is a sin, right? And so our experiences, our feelings can be deceiving. So all of that, experiences, feelings, 
Everything has to be grounded in God's word. So when experience, when we're thinking about our experiences, we have to say, all right, how does this line up with what God says in his word? Experience must always be grounded in the truth of God's word. But when we do that, our experiences can help us to know God's know God and know his instruction more deeply. So know God's instruction by studying God's word, experiencing God personally, and third, know God's instruction by experiencing God in community. Know God's instruction by experiencing God in community. Moses certainly expected the Israelites to experience God in community as they live together and function together as a nation. And he wants that for us. God wants that for us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Let me read that again. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Preaching to the choir, right? But, but some get out of the habit. Some get out of the habit and they do neglect. But we're not to neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. How does community, well, boy, we need community. How does community then help us to know God's instruction? How do we grow together as a church? Because this isn't just some exercise that we do, right? We don't just come here to check a box. We, we come here for a purpose, and the purpose is to know God. That's why we're here. We want to know God. And so how do we know God in community? Well, one, through discipleship. Through discipleship. Now, here's what typically happens, right? When, when you, you, I don't know, when, when you're doing sports or something else, you, you learn from someone who has more knowledge than you, has more experience than you. If you, you go to a new job, you might apprentice under someone. You're going to study under someone who has more knowledge than, than you, and that's what the church provides. It provides a lot of saints here who are a little further along in their faith than you are, maybe. And they can disciple you. They can teach you. They can help you to show you how God's Word applies to life practically on a day-by-day basis. So discipleship takes place in community, but also encouragement, even as the Hebrew text says, encouraging one another as the day draws near. We're to encourage one another. And that's what we find in church. We, we come together in community to encourage one another because out there, out there, that's, out, I mean, that, that's the enemy's territory, right? Out there, Satan is, is king, out there, the prince of the power of the air rules. And Scripture tells us that we are sojourners in this world. We're sojourners in this world. This is not our home. We're sojourners. And living the Christian faith is hard out there when everything else is going the other way. When morality is going the other way. When schools are teaching our children to go some other way. 
when our politicians are telling us, oh, you need to forget biblical morality and get with secular morality, we, it's hard. There's pressure. And we need encouragement to stay the course. We need encouragement to stay devoted to God and give wholehearted allegiance to God regardless of what the world thinks of us and says of us. We need that encouragement if we're going to make it in this world. And that's what we get in community. We encourage one another to stay the course, to hold fast and give wholehearted allegiance to God. Discipleship, encouragement, and accountability. Accountability. Holding one another accountable. Hey, where were you last Sunday? Missed you. How's your Bible reading going? Oh man, I heard what you said to that lady at the super uh, drugstore the other day that wasn't very nice right and there's this accountability not to be ugly to one another but to hold one another accountable because when we leave here we're representing christ in the world and we need brothers and sisters who love us to come along beside us and hold us accountable discipleship encouragement and accountability are just three things there's so much more right there's so many other benefits that we get from being in community at church but those are just three that help us to know god's instruction in community know god's instruction by experiencing god in community and and how do you do this primarily you do this by getting involved in a life group our mission is to love God, love one another, and love our world. Love one another takes place in life group. In life group, that's where we love one another. We bear one another's burdens. We encourage one another. We strengthen one another. It's hard here to, to bear one another's burdens, but when you're in a group of 12 or so, uh, man, it, it's a lot easier to get involved in one another's lives. So let me just encourage you, and this is in the words of Brother Al, my former pastor, if you haven't been to life group, you haven't been to church because that is where the body is the body. That's where we bear one another's burdens. That's where we share life together. So if you are not involved in a life group, get involved in a life group. Hey, we've even got a new one starting up here in a week or so. Uh, so if you haven't found a life group yet, maybe try that one out. Maybe see how that one goes. But find a life group to get involved in and get it connected to so that you can grow in your knowledge of God and his instruction through community. Know God's instruction. Know God's instruction. Know God's instruction in order to fuel your allegiance to God. And I pray that you will invest the time necessary to know God's instruction in order to fuel your allegiance to God. But allegiance starts, of course, by what I said a while ago, turning away from your rebellion against God and turning and giving your allegiance to Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. That's where it must always start. Maybe today you've never had that salvation experience. Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus. Well, today you can. Today can be the day that you turn away from your rebellion against God and turn to Jesus Christ. Surrender to Him. 
He died on Calvary's cross for your sin so that you might have life in him. And if you'll turn to him and trust in him today, he will save you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself through your word. And we can grow in our knowledge of you and our, our allegiance to you by studying your word. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would impress that upon our hearts today. Impress upon us the need to study your word and know you more deeply, more intimately. And Lord, if there's any who have never trusted in Jesus today, Lord, turn their hearts to see Christ and allow them to surrender to Jesus at this time, Lord. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.